This is Shifting Our Schools episode 174, Finding Your Metaphor for the Year. Shifting Our Schools happens with small, significant steps forward. This week, Jeff Utick is back to tour us through a way to keep taking those steps with another free Shifting Schools resource. Before you listen, we want to remind you that this episode has a ready-to-use meeting map so you can use this episode with your team. Be sure to find the link in our show notes. Okay, educators, ready to dig in, unlearn, and prepare to spark the next shift at your school? Then let's kick off this episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm your host, Jeff Udick. I hope this episode finds you safe and healthy. A big shout out to Trisha Friedman for filling in for me over the last month or so while I stepped away from the mic for a little while. If you didn't catch Trisha's episodes where she interviewed some of the leading authors of educational books today, check out episodes 170 through 173 to catch those great interviews with educational authors. Again, thanks, Trisha, for filling in for me. You can catch Trisha on her own podcast, Be a Better Ally at allyed.org. And I'm excited to announce she will be running a course for us called Step Up September, LBGTQ plus inclusion in our classrooms. If you are looking for strategies and resources to be a more inclusive educator, this course is for you. Check out the overview of the course and let's start this school year by stepping up for all students. Of course, you can learn more and register at ShiftingSchools.com under the On Offer tab. Today, we are taking time to think about the year to come and the term ahead. This episode partners with a recent free guide we created called Finding Your Metaphor for the Moment. When I provide coaching for school leaders, we often spend a lot of time thinking and discussing metaphors as a communication tool. Now, I didn't invent the idea of leaders using metaphors to galvanize teams. There has been a lot written about how this matters and ways to experiment with it. I want to read you a quick quote from one of my favorite pieces from Forbes that explores this idea. Quote, metaphors and analogies are exceptionally efficient ways to accelerate insight. If you see recurring points of friction, think about the best metaphor or analogy for your system and communicate it explicitly. One team used the analogy of a hybrid car to explain how their hybrid structure would work. We're one car headed to one destination. We have two engines, a gas engine, and an electric one that propels us forward. Both are necessary and equal. In any given situation, we use the one best suited to the conditions. If you'd like to read the rest of that article by Shani Harmon, you'll find the link in our show notes. What I love about that example is how simple it is. So if you were to think about your school's library system, is it more like a hybrid car or a jet ski? If you reflect on the orientation schedule for your school, is it more like a roller coaster or a bridge? What about the communication system you've established with parents and caretakers in years past? Would they describe it to be a water fountain or a water park? When we reframe systems we engage with in a creative way, I think it makes us pay more attention to some of the details we may overlook. In our free guide, 
finding your metaphor for the moment, you will find yet another example. The guide walks you through a few pages on how baseball might be an interesting metaphor for classroom culture. I know, me using baseball metaphors is a shock to many of you, right? In what way do students have batting practice, where they can take swing after swing and devote time to one specific skill at a time? Fellow baseball fans will know the term battery. This refers to the really tight-knit bond between the catcher and the pitcher. So I would ask myself how my classroom culture is inspiring and providing space for each learner to co-create a new battery or friendship. The point of this thought experiment is to provide space to envision what we want to do and how we want to think about our goals. We invite a few educators to share their metaphor for the year ahead. So I'm going to hand over the microphone to them now. We will hear first from Angeline, who is a pedagogical leader and consultant. Join me in listening to what she has to say about the mighty onion. A metaphor I often use to describe a curricula framework, especially if it's a complex curriculum framework, is an onion. Now, a humble onion may seem like a very simple ingredient, um, but like a curricular framework, it has many layers. And in order to harness its goodness, you have to use it and treat it and, and be able to be creative in how you um, apply it into a meal. So um, an onion, for example, like a curricular framework, there are many ways to approach it. Um, you can slice it in different ways. Uh, you can cook it in many different cuisines and dishes. And it is basically also a staple of every major cuisine. So arguably a truly global ingredient. And, and um, you know, some people do eat an onion raw um, and, uh, as well. But uh, after maybe laboring with it a little bit, you get an enhanced end product. And so um, whilst there are many layers um, that you can peel back, and but the onion can also take on lots of different flavors and um, the different ways in which a chef uses it. So it's similar to a teacher approaching a curricular framework. Um, how you use it depends on your skill, depends on your knowledge of, um, of cooking itself, so of learning and teaching, um, different strategies you can put in um, to how you will use a curricular framework. Um, and of course, like an onion, it's, uh, it has nutritional value in the end, and you can make an amazing dish with it. And, um, but I think what really connects a team when they learn about this onion metaphor for a curricular framework is when I call it the onion of pain, because sometimes it will make you cry. <laughs> so as you're exploring it and slicing it, um, it will bring tears. However, the tears can also lead to a wonderful reward. Um, and so we know that um, this is a phase um, of chopping an onion that you might cry, 
but um, you, you persevere through it. And uh, then what you can maybe do together, if you're cooking together, enjoy the meal together. Um, the, the humble onion can be a sustaining and enjoyable and potentially community building experience um, that results in a, a pleasurable meal, such as a well-designed and driven curriculum. What a great example. Which fruit or vegetable is your curriculum framework most like and why? Let's dig into another example, this time from a head of community relations. Hi, my name is Nancy Scutrini, and I'm head of community relations at the International School of Luxembourg. During a first team meeting for a new school year, I shared the following metaphor. We are a box of crayons, each of us unique, when we get together, the picture is complete. How does such a metaphor manifest to the characteristics of an effective team? On LinkedIn, I read a post by Rebecca Coda titled, Five Culture Building Strategies, All You Need Is a Box of Crayons. This post ignited my thinking. How do you build psychological safety on a team? Amy Edmondson's research connects trust to psychological safety. One way to build trust is to encourage a team to see their colleagues as people. So I sought to create situations that promote team members to share stories, which would lead to a better understanding of who they are. The crayon metaphor provided the framework to begin sharing stories. Using some of Rebecca's words, color has meaning. There is psychology in colors. We can learn a tremendous amount about our colleagues through their favorite and least favorite colors. So to start, each colleague was provided a box of eight crayons and asked to order their crayons top to bottom in ranking order of their least to favorite color. The sharing of why certain colors were the most or least favorite conjured up memories which brought quite a few laughs, but most importantly, others could identify with some of the stories being shared. By the way, there, were, there are quite a few variations of this protocol that I've used. For example, select your top three colors and share why. The stories connected to these colors were powerful and promoted a greater insight on each colleague as an individual and contributor to the team. Regardless of our differences and similarities, like the colors in a crayon box, sometimes colors blend well to create new colors or ideas like on a team, and on other occasions, not as much like the dynamics on any team. Going back to the metaphor one last time, we are a box of crayons, each of us unique. When we get together, the picture is complete. I wanted to reinforce the concept of supporting one another, especially during challenging times. As with crayons, when one crayon breaks, the remaining ones in the box keep the broken ones standing. Like the crayons, team members keep their colleagues standing. And even if one crayon or one team member is missing, the set, our team, is not complete. So try using a metaphor, which is an exceptionally efficient way to accelerate insight. Nancy, thank you for demonstrating how our thinking around metaphors can be scaffolded with questions. If I were to go back to my baseball example, and I wanted to use it with a department or a grade level group, I might ask them to share a story that was one of our double play moments, or to tell me what activity they have in their batting rotation in the cleanup position. Let's turn to one more example, this time courtesy of head of school, Kathleen Nagley. Although I'm now a school director, 
My first position of paid leadership was on a painting crew when I was 18 years old. I painted houses in the summer while going to university. The reason like many of us who fall into leadership was by default. We had a small team and we were learning to paint houses and I was the only one who would climb the 40 foot ladder. Let me tell you about 40 foot ladders. They're the largest commercial ladder available by safety regulations and extend over three stories high. They weigh about 75 pounds and you need two or more people to get it to set up to fully extend. I don't have a fear of heights, but your body knows when you are in danger when you go to the top of that ladder. Believe me, you feel it. You grip it tight as it bows and bounces while you take your steps. Your body shakes and try to stay focused and you try to stay focused on each step. When I reach the top, you wonder how you will reach out to actually paint. I realized for some unknown reason, for comfort, that I began, began humming the Beatles song, Yellow Submarine, a song I had learned in second grade. This is what it feels like when you enter into real leadership, but it's your first chance of having a vision for a school. You don't know what you're doing. The skills you developed below most likely don't apply up there. It's terrifying. Below feels grounded and populated and doable, but now you're alone. It also feels that every false move will send you tumbling. No one from below can give you much guidance. The light is wrong and they see shadows, but you need their support to keep an eye on that ladder. They can't see the difficult difficulties you're overcoming because reaching out at that level outside the norm is difficult to see as well. The funny thing with leadership and painting houses is you have to go up and down all day. Each new day requires you to go to your place. And in many cases, it feels much more comfortable to stay with the details below. You have to leave what you know behind. Eventually though, your body relaxes at that height and you realize the benefits of the vision it gives you. You can see the house and all the problems from another angle. You can also see what is happening in the neighborhood and see beyond. The difficulty is communicating this. Those below often refuse to believe what you see. And more frustratingly, they refuse to go up to see it for themselves. They also believe that as you stand up there, that you no longer understand the problems at the bottom of the house and you won't listen while you're up there. So why do I choose to stay at that top of that metaphorical ladder? What I've realized is that my vision and understanding of the problems of the house, the business of the school, in this case, is often radically different from others who lead. And so are many of my solutions. And it's not just me being different, but I found surprisingly, there are large differences based on gender as well. Despite equality, despite efforts to offset gender bias in schools, sports and employment, We've been trained by society to function in behavioral different ways that have affected our perceptions. And although there are weaknesses, it can surely be a strength in the way that we look and the way that we act. This is not just the case for women, but for any marginalized group in society that's given a chance to lead. At the end of the day, it takes courage to become this person uh, who's the leader and seeing beyond and to adopt that identity of the leader and becoming a leader each day requires you to go up and down that ladder. But it's the only way that you can understand what's happening everywhere and see the system for what it is holistically and be ready to see the gutters need to be cleaned 
uh, and that um, the pain is chipping. Being honest with yourself in the vision of a school requires you to critically look at everything and including yourself. Thank you, Kathleen, for sharing that personal story. Her example reminds me that when we share our metaphor, we have an opportunity to share our stories and that cultivates stronger relationships. Okay, ready for our final example? Here we go. My name is Brandy Wade. I am an educational consultant. I'm going to have my own consulting business called The Queer Mathematics Teacher. I also run a New Jersey based professional development organization called the Radical Pedagogy Institute, which I co-founded and co-lead with my colleague and friend, Leah Owens. In my work at the Institute and QMT, I do a lot of thinking about the intersections of queerness and other identities with learning and mathematics. And I like to think about the ways that teachers can learn from queer people and bring some of that energy back into their classroom because queer people with their very existence resist being put into the boxes that society has constructed to categorize us. And I feel like if we brought that into the classroom and really try to think about knowledge and learning in in the same way and teaching and really allow us to break down the walls of the boxes that have traditionally limited us in those areas, then we can radically reimagine the education system as we know it and make it more humane and, and a joyful space for all students. This is part of some of the work that we're doing at the Radical Pedagogy Institute. For example, in the upcoming months, we're going to be having some sessions focused on how our mathematical worlds are determined by our identities, language, and communities, on encouraging student advocacy across the content areas and fostering student activism, a session on social-emotional learning, origami as a means to foster culturally responsive learning opportunities and equity in educational technology. Similarly, through the Queer Mathematics teacher, I will also be holding some professional development sessions in the fall to really take a look at how to use queer pedagogy to create uh, joyful learning experiences for queer students, but also for all students in mathematics classrooms. I really appreciate what Dr. Wade says there about radically imagining our education system in ways of learning together. If you want to continue to follow those four educators, you'll find the link to their Twitter handles in our show notes. So hopefully they have inspired you to think more about finding a metaphor for the moment, or perhaps for thinking about inviting learners to co-create one for the start of the academic year. If you are looking for more resources to help you do that, head over to ShiftingSchools.com, select our resource options from the menu, head to our resource library, and download your free copy of Finding Your Metaphor for the Moment. If you decide to use any of the ideas from that guide, I want to hear about it. Send me a voice message and we will share it on an upcoming podcast. You can send a voice message through to info at ShiftingSchools.com. In closing, I want to let you know about an online conference from Learning 2 that is coming up this fall. I've been a part of Learning 2 in one capacity or another since it began back in 2007. 
This year, Learning to Europe is going virtual, allowing everyone to attend. Here to tell you more about this year's conference event is my friend and school leader, John Micton. Learning to Europe 2021. Join us for a virtual conference on October 1st and 2nd with educators from around the globe sharing and learning and connecting in a fully virtual mix of synchronous and asynchronous sessions, keeping the much-loved features of the L2 conference with the L2 talks, student and teacher workshops, and job-alike cohorts. In addition, strands that bring educators together to collaborate on relevant and future-focused topics chosen by you, the Learning2 community. The strands will give you a time to connect with other educators and dig into an aspect of your practice or a question that you have always wanted to do more with. Walk away with something that you can set in motion right away. An opportunity to network and build community with colleagues from around the globe. A conference for teachers by teachers. We look forward to learning and sharing with you on October 1st and 2nd, 2021 at the Learning to Europe virtual conference. For further details, refer to learningtoeurope.org. I'm so looking forward to another great Learning to conference. I've been to more conferences than I can count in my professional career, both as a participant and as a speaker, and Learning to still ranks as one of the best there is. If you want to see what you're in for, head to YouTube and type in learn to talk. That's learn the number two talk, all one word, and check out a long list of educators talking about their classrooms and bold ideas for the future of education. I hope your classroom is coming together nicely. And until next time, I'll see you on the network. Thank you for being a part of the hashtag shifting schools community. We love when listeners like you weigh in. So head over to our show notes to find ways to share your thoughts. Have a request for a future episode? Jeff and his team love supporting you with the content you need. Shifting Our Schools podcast is a proud production of the Shifting Schools team. Looking for a longer interactive conversation about the ideas shared in this session? Contact us at info at shiftingschools.com to find out about our workshops.